I, w- I was having a time with a woman who just died a week and a half ago. Her name was Joy Dawson. I believe he's given me a word for you uh, that I'm really excited about. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. Uh, one, uh, I'm going to read to you out of the New King James Version. And we're going to start in verse 6 all the way down to the end of the chapter, verse, verse 15. This is, um, let me set this up for you. The Israelites who've wandered in the desert for 40 years and are now on the cusp of entering in to the promised land. And I think it's representative of things in our life that God has promised us through uh, our Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and what Christ accomplished not only with his death and burial and resurrection, but the life and the words that he spoke to us, that you and I have a spiritual inheritance. And yet for many of us, we don't, number one, we don't realize the spiritual inheritance and the promises of God because we don't know the promises of God. We don't know the word well enough. And because of it, we're missing out on this inheritance, this blessing, if you will. And here, um, wandering for 40 years in the desert, they're finally ready to enter into the promises that God had for them and occupy and possess the land that God had promised them. And they're about to divide up the land between the 12 tribes, actually 13 and a half, because there was a couple uh, that, that were split. And they're about to divide up the land and give them a portion of the promised land. And so that's where we pick up the story. It says in verse 6, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephaniah, the Kenzanite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Can we get an amen? Because this inheritance that he's speaking of isn't just for Caleb. There's a spiritual inheritance and a promise for you and for me. And because you have wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God, and now, verse 10, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. How many are grateful this morning the Lord has kept you alive? And not only that, he says, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am. 85 years old. As yet I am strong as this day is on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Who's got some strength from war in them this morning? Because there's some battles that God is calling us to fight, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, I love this. And if you have a way to highlight this in your Bible. You want to highlight this verse. This is really what I'm going to hone in this morning. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim, which were 
a, a tribe of giants. It's actually where um, uh, Goliath would des descend from out of this tribe. How the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed them and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jeponiah, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephaniah, and the, Ken the Kenzanite to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name Hebron, formerly Kirja Arba, Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. He was the greatest giant. He was the biggest warrior. And I love the way it ends. Then the land had rest from war. Then the land had rest from war. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I pray that your word would get planted deep within our heart. Just like Caleb said, that, that word that came out of his heart. I pray that your word would go deep in our heart this morning. God, I pray for your anointing upon your word to give us a spirit like Caleb, a different spirit, a spirit that would rise up within us, that we wouldn't be intimidated by the mountains in front of us, that we wouldn't be fearful about the giants in front of us, but God, that we would have the strength of faith and the determination that we have a conquering spirit because we have the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave alive in us this morning, that we are more than conquerors through him. And so we thank you, Jesus, for what you accomplished on the cross. And we today, we don't want to just settle. We want to go after the promises. We want to possess the fullness of the inheritance that you have for us, spiritually speaking, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen, amen, amen. Well, we had a, um, a great vacation, and one of the things that I loved about our vacation is uh, we got to go and visit some of our friends that pastor other churches in the state of Washington, and uh, then we spent some time with our, our good friends Justin and Aaron McMahon, who uh, used to be our executive pastors here and now are pastoring a church in Tillamook, Oregon, and doing an awesome job. God is moving, and uh, just loved hearing some of the great reports that God is doing there. But uh, we met up with them in Bend, Oregon. I don't know how many of you have ever been to Bend, Oregon, or if you, you've traveled through that um, area of Oregon. But one of the things that was crazy to me as we're driving uh, through, after we get to the gorge and you start driving down to more central Oregon, we kind of pulled out of the gorge and you come up to more of a flat area where we were driving. And as we pulled up to that flattened area, one of the very first things that stuck out to me was... Um, Oh, what's the mount called? There's a huge mountain there. Somebody help. Mount Hood, thank you. Mount Hood, it just looked, I mean, talk about a huge mountain. You pull up over that and it struck me. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at the size of that mountain. There's this, I mean, it is just enormous. It is incredible. And then you drive some more and you see other just sticking out flat land. And all of a sudden you see these huge mountains there. Uh, just sticking out, just the enormity of these mountains just really struck me. I was trying not to get distracted as, as I drove, but um, it, it just incredible, incredible mountains. It just blew my mind how in the middle of just this flat land, there's these mountains that just stick out there. And 
When we read about mountains in the Bible, mountains stand for a couple things. Number one, uh, mountains can mean just mountains, <laughs> the physical mountain. Like there's this big physical mountain in the way. But oftentimes in the Bible, when it talks about mountains, it talks about uh, kingdoms. Mountains can represent kingdoms and powers. Um, but probably the thing in the Bible that mountains most represent are these things in our lives, metaphorically speaking, that seem unovercomable, that seem impossible. And even Jesus would speak into in his ministry uh, sometimes that the, there's mountains in the way of us. And, and the problem with mountains is that they're so big sometimes that all we see is the mountain in front of us. We don't see what's on other, the other side of the mountain. All we see is the enormity and the size of the mountain. And so, just like Caleb, here's Caleb. And what he's doing as he's about to enter into the promised land, he's looking back on his life to when he was 40 years old. Now he's 85 years old. Most people, 85, they're like looking for a warm beach, you know, and a beach chair and a little drink with an umbrella in it, maybe some pineapple or fruit. And they're looking to just retire and chill out. I'm 85. I, I've, I've lived for God. I'm done. But not Caleb. Caleb is looking back to when he was 40 years old and God made the promise to him that I'm going to give you this land. And he's remembering, he's looking back and he's remembering the word of God and he's looking back at his life and saying, you know what, the word that God spoke to me then, he's actually feeding off the past, feeding off the promises of God and looking at the faithfulness of God throughout his life. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning that can look back at the course of your life and your faith and what God has done in the past can feed your faith for the future? And he's looking back at the faithfulness of God and how in the middle of the desert, God did signs, wonders, and miracles and how he brought them out of Egypt. Come on, some, I, I thought back to my life and how at 20 years old, I was a broken young man. I was on antidepressants, could barely sleep and God parted the Red Sea in my life and brought me through out of darkness into his marvelous light. And, and I'm so grateful you know, and actually right now in my own life, and there, I'm sure many of you, many of you watching, many of you in Eureka, you've got some mountains in your life right now. How many of us, we, we've got a mountain in front of us. I don't know what your mountain is, but I know what mine are. And I don't just have one. I have several. And there's some big ones. And as I look at them, I, I, I've been looking at those things in front of me, and they're intimidating. They're big. They seem unmovable. I don't know how I'm going to get around them. So what, what would happen and what Caleb did wasn't like the rest of them. In fact, um, I've got a couple of things that I feel like we can glean from this passage about this man different, man, this man Caleb. And the first thing is this, is that God said about him that he had a different spirit. Caleb had a different spirit, if you could put that scripture up in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. Look at this, Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. It said, but my servant Caleb, listen to the language, my servant Caleb, because he has a what kind of spirit? A different spirit. And he has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. 
Now, let me tell you, if you remember, the Israelites, even though they wandered in the desert for 40 years, and I believe there's some of you this morning that maybe that's exactly where you feel like you are spiritually. You feel like, been going around this mountain, you know, like grandma, come on, she's coming around this mountain. When she comes, she'll be coming around. Like you've been going around and around and around the mountain, but you haven't taken the mountain. The title of my message this morning is Take the Mountain. And I believe that God, the word of the Lord this morning is that God is saying, now I love what Jerry shared and I believe that revival is beginning. But you know what God always does when he begins a revival? One of the first things he does is he cleans up his house. He says, if there's sin in your life, if, if there's mountains, if there's things like uh, Pastor Mary Terrell encouraged us this morning that we've allowed the enemy to put dirt over the wellspring of life that God put inside of you, that if there's things in the way of God moving, he says, I want you to speak to the mountains in your life and cast them into the sea. And if you have faith and do not doubt in your heart, it will be done. It's time to take the mountain. See, Caleb and Joshua, they were different. But there was 10 other spies that went into the land. I mean, I've always wondered why is it that they had to wander around for 40 years? God wanted to bring them right into the promises. But when they sent the spies, only two of them came back with a good report. Only two of them came back and saw the land through the eyes of faith. 10 of them came back and said, oh no, there's giants in the land. They're too big for us. We are like grasshoppers in their eyes. But not Caleb. He had a different spirit. In fact, that word different in Hebrew, it actually means that he had, uh, better translated is he had another spirit. He had another spirit. In fact, uh, diving deeper into that word, it means not only did he have another spirit, but he had a, a spirit that was following him as he followed God. There was, I believe that different spirit was that Caleb didn't just follow his flesh. He didn't just follow what he saw through his natural eyes. He didn't see what he could do in his own strength. He saw through the eyes of faith. And he saw through the eyes of the Holy Spirit. See, when, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you have a different spirit. You have another spirit. Can I tell you this morning? If, you're, if you are a born again believer of God, you have another spirit inside of you. You have the very spirit of the risen Christ. You have the resurrection life and power living inside of you. And just like Paul, even though you may have some mountains in your life, you may have some giants, you may have some thorns in your flesh, just like God said to the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For when you are weak, then you are strong. And some of us this morning, we need to get a new fresh perspective. We need to start seeing our mountains differently. And I want to encourage you. I hope that you leave here this morning determined to take the mountain. Because if you're going to take the mountain, you need to have a different spirit. Caleb had a different spirit. How many of you are ready to take some mountains in your life? I don't know what your mountain is for you. I know what it is for me. But some of you, you're faced with a mountain of financial debt. Some of you are faced with marriage uh, challenges that seem just like unconquerable. Like we've been around this mountain before and it's just not happening. 
And so what happens is we learn to settle. We settle for dysfunction. We settle for the sin in our life and we work around our mountains. We don't take the mountain, we go around the mountain. But the problem with that is there are only some things that you can possess spiritually by going after the mountain, by taking the mountain. There are, there are, in fact, I think some of the greatest blessings in life are when you decide, I am sick and tired of living with this mountain and working around this mountain in my life. I'm taking the mountain. I'm going after the mountain. Why? Not because you have the strength, but because the strength of Christ is in you. The resurrection power and life of God is in you. See, there was 10 other tribes that when they were dividing up the land, they said, give us the pasture. I want the valley. And that's where, if we're going to be honest with each other, I was joking with my wife. It's like, I asked her, I said, you ready to take some mountains? Or are you ready to settle in the pasture? And it's so much easier to just settle. I wonder how many of us are settling for something less than the inheritance and the promises of God that Jesus died to give you and me. Yes. If I'm going to be honest with you, it's easier. That's why they didn't go, they didn't say, give me the mountain. They said, give me the valley. Right? And in our Christian life, that's where we live most of the time. We want to stay in the valley. It's comfortable in the valley. We like it when God says, lie down in green pastures, right? Stand beside the brook. But Caleb had a different spirit about him. He could have had the valley if he wanted to, but he didn't ask for the valley. He said, I want the mountain. I want the hard place. I want the place where it's only going to be by the grace of God if I can take that mountain because when I take that mountain, the testimony, like we sang about this morning, this is my testimony. When we take the mountain, there's no other explanation than God had to do this. I couldn't do this in my own strength. I couldn't take, I couldn't overcome this mound of financial, I couldn't overcome the problems in my marriage. I couldn't overcome the fact that I'm having challenges raising my kids. I'm having relational problems. I'm addicted to drugs. I've got this sin in my life that I can't seem to shake. And so what we do is we just settle. We settle and we work around our sin. You know, um, in our old house, we had a pretty good sized house. And I think everybody does this, but when we would have company over and, you know, the house was not tidy, there's always that one room where you just throw everything in. Like, if you're going to clean it up, right? Come on, ladies. It's time for honesty here this morning. You just throw everything in this one room and you close the door and you say, you know, we're come welcome into my house and you welcome guests in and everything's nice and beautiful and they're like oh what's in here no 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 don't go in there we don't go in that room we just leave that room there that's our you know den <laughs> and we don't go in that room I think that's what we do in our relationship with God oftentimes is that we get to a place where we have these mountains in our life and instead of taking them we work around them. We close that door and say, we, we're not going to go there. And I believe that God wants us to take some mountains today. How do we do that? There's some things that I think we could glean from Caleb's life. The first thing is this. He kept the word of God. He kept it. He actually kept it in, in his heart. 
Like that word, look at Joshua 14, 6. It says, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephaniah the Kenzanite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said. The Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me. Now when I read that, Caleb is remembering from 40 years ago a word that God spoke to him, and he's kept it. It's in his heart. He hasn't let go of it. He's held on to the word. He's remembered the word. I don't know if he wrote it down, but he remembered the word not just generally. See, now, I think for a lot of us, this is the problem. We don't know the word of God. We don't know the promises and the inheritance that we have in and through Christ. Do you know that through what Jesus paid for on the cross that you have an inheritance and a promise of peace? Too many of us struggle. We struggle with fear. We struggle with anxiety. But there is a promise of peace. It's yours. Take that mountain. You can take that mountain of anxiety. You can take that mountain of fear. You don't have to stay in that place. God promises that you have an inheritance of peace. You have an inheritance of joy. Come on, there's joy in the house this morning. We don't have, that's what I love about coming into the house of God. We don't have to stay with this heavy burden and this yoke upon us. We can come into the house and we can sing and we can dance and we can praise God because he deserves the praise because there is joy in my heart. I don't need to stay in a place of depression. I can choose to take the mountain of depression and I can choose to walk in joy and to praise my God. We can overcome these things. Now listen, uh, it says that, that Caleb hid this word in his heart. I want to tell you something this morning. The inheritance was in Caleb long before Caleb was in the inheritance. I'm going to say that again. Some of you need to get it. The inheritance was in Caleb long before Caleb was in the inheritance. What does that mean? That means there's things that we don't see happening yet. There's promises of God that we don't see happen, and the problem is we give up on them. We forget about them. Caleb kept the word of God. It says, look, in verse 7, it was, he was 40 years old. This is 45 years later that Caleb is finally realizing the inheritance and the promise of God. He's about to step into it. 45 years later, and it says that the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And listen, I brought back word to him that it was in my heart. It reminds me when Mary, the Virgin Mary, when the angel came to him, said, after the angel came to her and spoke to her and the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, she said that I have, I have kept and pondered the word of the Lord and I've kept it in my heart. David would say that what, as a young person, what keeps me from sinning is I keep the word of God in my heart. There's something about planting and keeping the word of God in your heart. Who am I talking to this morning that needs to be reminded of the word of the Lord that God spoke to you, that you haven't, let, you haven't kept it in your heart? You've settled. That must not have been for me. That must have been. God spoke some amazing things to some of you in this room. There's some prophetic words that God has spoken over your life, which just simply means that God has spoken either through somebody or spoken through your word. I love that there were two, two that came back with good reports. Joshua and Caleb. It, I think that represents the word and the spirit. You need both. 
That's what I love about the word of the God. It, the word of God. It is the ruah. It is the very breath of God. You could read the God, read the word of God, which is the truth, the logos, the written word of God. And then um, you could have the rhema word of God, which is the inspired revelatory word of God. It's like I could be preaching to you and all of a sudden revelation means there's something that's covered that all of a sudden now is uncovered. I didn't see it before. All I saw was mountains in front of me. But now with the revelation of the Holy Spirit unveiling the word of God to you, the word of God is birthed inside of you fresh. And now that word gets planted in your spirit. And just like Caleb, you can go back and, and remember that word because it's in your heart. So here, I got a question for you. This is a question I asked myself because here's what happens. Because there's negativity and there was 10 spies that came back and it said they put fear in all of Israel. And what fear does is it fear births unbelief in you. But when you get the right perspective and you see things through the spirit and you see the way God sees things, it births faith. Now faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Whose report are you going to believe? Better, better asked, whose report have you been believing? Because there were 10 that came back. Listen, there's, it seems like there's more against us than there are for us. There's more bad reports than there are good reports, right? And some of us, I believe, have been uh, believing and listening to the wrong report. When they listen to the wrong report, not faith-filled, unbelief, it produced fear in them and it produced unbelief in them. And some of us have been listening to the report of the enemy over the report of God. You've been listening to that doctor report that says you're, you've got cancer and it's uncurable. You've been listening to that report that says your marriage is doomed. You've been listening to that report that says you'll never be able to raise children to follow God. You'll, you're listening to the report that says you're not going anywhere in your career, in your life. You might as well give up right now. You're listening to the report. You'll never be able to be that godly husband that you long to be or that godly father that you long to be. You're listening to the wrong report. And I'm here to remind you today that the report you listen to determines the belief that you have tomorrow Caleb was somebody who held on to the word of God but he also was strong in his faith see the word and faith work together they work together as you choose to believe the word of God your faith gets stirred your faith gets strengthened he was strong in faith Listen, look at what he said um, uh, down there. He said in verse 11, as yet I am strong in this day as on the day Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. At 85 years old, do you, do you think that he really felt as strong as he did at 40? Come on, let's be honest with each other. At 85, do you feel like you're 40 years old? I believe this was a, a, a statement of faith. His body may not have felt as strong as he was at 40, but his spirit says, I'm as strong as I was then. His mind may not have been as sharp as it was at 40, but his spirit says, you are as strong as you were then. Come on, this is what faith does. Faith doesn't just go by what we see. Faith is more than what we see. It's what we believe, right? It's the perspective that you have. So what's your perspective this morning? What are you believing for? 
Look at verse 12. It says, now, listen, this is a statement. I hope this statement gets inside of you. I hope that you can't shake it this morning. I hope that as we end our service in just a little while, that, that you come up for prayer because you determine in your heart, now, therefore, God, because you did it before, you can do it again. Give me this mountain which the Lord spoke in that day. See, we don't take mountains just because we want to. We take mountains because God spoke to us to. That, that, that God promised us. This is why you need to know the word of God. You need to know the promises of God. You need to know your inheritance as a believer in Jesus Christ. Give me this mountain. And then he says, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. So you gotta have some faith. Jesus would speak to this. Mark chapter 11, 22 through 24, Jesus answered them when his disciples were struggling. They seen miracles. They saw the miracles that were Jesus was, were, was doing, and they were trying to do some of them. And, and for the most part, they were successful, but the, every once in a while, they had some trouble. And so they came to him and said, in private and said, hey, how come this demon didn't get cast out? And Jesus answered and said to them, have what? Have faith in God. We have faith in way more other things than God. It took you faith this morning to believe that when you went out to start your car, it was going to start and be able to get you here. And I believe we have faith more in the things that we can see rather than the things that we can not see. But as spiritual people, we don't go by what we just see. We go by the unseen. We believe that God has impossible things for us if we have faith. Jesus said, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt, here's a key, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now I'm not talking about Lear Jets and Rolls Royces. I'm talking about the promises of God. See, your heart has to align with what God says in his word and his promises. But let me tell you when, you, when it does and you begin to pray them and you begin to believe in them and pray into them, you will have what you ask for if you do not doubt. But you have faith. You have faith. I was, I was reminded of just how much faith it takes to take a mountain. In my devotional time, I was reading about this story of this man in Mozambique named Alberto. And there was a ministry there that they were going into town to bring some teenagers. And as this assistant drove into town, she noticed this man who had been severely crippled at birth. He was crawling on the ground on his hands and knees because that's all he could do. He couldn't walk. He couldn't barely use his hands, but he would, he would crawl and he would inch his way around to the store. And so the, the Lord put this man on this lady's heart and she helped him, picked him up and put him in the car and took him to back to their camp where they had a Bible school and they were te teaching people in Mozambique the word of God. And yet they didn't have a place for this man in the village. They didn't have a mud hut for him or anything. So he had to live outside the village. So every day, to get to Bible school, he would literally crawl on his hands and knees and it would take him hours 
to get there. But after time, he heard the word of God preached and he surrendered his life to Jesus. And they carried him to the ocean to get baptized and said that he had, he never, they never really saw him smile before. He always looked like he was in pain and misery. And yet when he came up out of the water from being baptized, they said he had the biggest smile on his face. The biggest smile. And from now on, he would crawl to villages and he would share the good news of Jesus and how Jesus turned his heart. And I wonder how many of us, we've just settled for easy Christianity. We just settled, we don't have any determination. We're not a, I'm gonna take this mountain kind of, kind of follower of Jesus where I'm good. I'm kind of good where I am. Yeah, I've got some mountains in my life, but you know, I just have to live with it. I don't think you do. I think some of you today is a divine appointment that God brought you here. Because he wants to encourage you. Today's the day to take the mountain. Today is the day to go after that sin. Today is the day to go after that brokenness, that weakness. Today is the day to clear out anything that is in the way, that thing that is blocking the flow of God, the, the fullness of the inheritance that God wants for you. The last thing I have for you is this. It says that Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly. He wasn't half-hearted. It wasn't just like, yeah, I'm going to come to church and I'll kind of worship. I'll kind of sip on my latte. Um, you know, I'll sing a few words. I'll kind of skim my Bible. Uh, I might do a devotion, catch a couple during the week. You know, I'll go to church if it fits in my schedule. If uh, the kids don't have soccer and, you know, I don't, I'm not camping that weekend. Nothing wrong with all that. Those are all good things. But when those things start to take your heart away from being wholeheartedly follower of Jesus, we're missing out. We're missing. If there's one thing I've learned about Christianity all these years is that it was never meant to be followed with part of our heart. You gotta be all in. There was some, some people that connected with the message of Jesus and they said, hey, master, we wanna follow you. And he said, well, come on, let's get after it then. And they said, well, wait a minute, before we do that, I gotta go and bury my father. I gotta go take care of some business over here. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do those things. And Jesus says, listen, you're either in or you're out. You're either in with your whole heart there's nothing I can do for you. That doesn't mean we're not saved. It doesn't mean we're not going to heaven. But what it does mean is this. There are promises that God has for you and for me that we will never take possession of until we allow him to fully possess our heart. says Joshua 14, 14, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb and the son of Jephunneh and the Kenzanite to this day, because why? He wholly followed the Lord God. There was a time in my life where I had a pretty big mountain in front of me. I've shared this story before, but I went on a jog one day and 
um, I came back and my heart was racing and it was not only racing, but it was, uh, it was offbeat and it scared me. I couldn't catch my breath. I literally thought I was going to die. And I allowed a open door to my soul to allow fear and anxiety in, in that moment. Because all I could see was I was listening to a report that you're going to die. This is it for you. Your kids are not going to see you. They're going to grow up without a father. And that might sound silly to you, but it was very real to me. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've experienced some similar things. And I'll never forget my spiritual mom and dad who are here today came over, sat on the couch, and they looked me in the eye and said, you're not going to die. You're going to live. And you're going to raise your kids. You see, I was listening to the wrong report. And my eyes were so fixed on the mountain in front of me that I lost sight of how big my God is. You know, it's okay for us to talk to God about our problems, but sometimes faith talks to our problems about our big God. And I needed to start standing in faith and started speaking to that mountain in front of me. Anxiety be gone in the name of Jesus. This was a battle. It was, see, taking mountains is an uphill climb. But every day I took one step closer and one step closer, and one step closer, and one step closer, until one day I woke up, and you know what? It was broken. It was gone. But can I tell you, over the years, that ugly giant of anxiety has tried to rear its ugly head. And I had to speak to that giant and say, no, you're defeated in the name of Jesus. You're not welcome here. Sometimes before I get up to speak, it tries to speak to me and says, you got nothing to say. You got, you, you have no anointing. You can't do this. this isn't and you got to speak to that anxiety. You got to speak to that fear. As we close, I want to pray for some of you. And in Eureka, we're going to turn it over to Pastor Jeremy. But I believe there's some of you here today. Your step towards that mountain is surrendering your life to Jesus. Like you've never done that. You've never fully surrendered your whole heart to Jesus. And if that's you and you're here today, maybe you're watching online, today's the day. You know what your mountain is? Your mountain is stepping over your unbelief and your fear of what it will look like to be fully surrendered, wholehearted to God and just saying yes to Jesus. And you can do that at the end of this service. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And you can allow that word to be planted in your heart this morning. And we have an amazing prayer team that's gonna be over here. But I just wanna end this moment right now. Can, can I just ask, if that's you, if you're here this morning and you wanna surrender your life to Jesus, you wanna give him your whole heart, would you just slip your hand up? Just as a sign to say, Pastor Lance, today's my day. I'm going all in with God. I'm tired of playing games. Today I'm surrendering my whole heart. Maybe today just something's stirring in you. And if you're not ready to make that decision, you want to pray for somebody, come up after service. But maybe there's some of you here that you know what it means to walk with Jesus, but you haven't been following him wholeheartedly. 
And your first step to taking a mountain is saying, I've got to, I got to get back to giving my whole heart to God. If that's you, I wanted you to just make a, make a stand today. Come up to the front as we sing this last song. Why don't we all stand right now? Come on, I believe God is moving. For some of you, this is the day. This is the word for you. There's a mountain in front of you. The rest of us, there's a mountain in front of us. And I don't know what your mountain is. But I'm wondering if you would take a step of faith today and you would come out and you would come up to this front and you would worship and say, God, I know you've moved mountains in the past, but I need you to move a mountain now in my life. I'm tired of living with this. I'm not settling anymore. I'm going to take the mountain. I'm going to get take fully what Jesus died to give me and I'm going to fully possess it. I want the promises of God. I need the peace of God in my life. I need the joy of the Lord to rise up in my spirit. I need forgiveness to set me free from bitterness. Come on, whatever it might be for you. As we worship, just make your way up front.